and you can live in the day. trying to get the uh, intro song in my head because that's what live in a day you're a creature that has an aim <laughs> you have to have an aim to make every moment supercharged with meaning <laughs> i think that should be the intro right <laughs> <laughs> welcome to man in the making <clears throat> that's the intro song <laughs> suck by rokas i really like that song and every time we post a new show uh, I listened to the first. <laughs> I listened to the first ten seconds or so, <laughs> just to see how the, that transition went. I really like it. I don't know. It's so simple, but um, welcome, welcome back. Uh, my voice is darker and deeper, probably because of two things. Last week I was uh, choked a lot, <laughs> and and yesterday my I was elbowed in the nose by a really nice guy who I cannot uh, uh, compete with in jujitsu. <laughs> and he, his elbow went right to my nose and uh, really messed it up pretty good. <laughs> um, we're so happy to have Fidel Maza back on the show. Fidel, is that, is that a good way to say your name? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> right. And we were just talking before the show that that we recorded almost a year ago. Was it a year or almost? Yes, al almost a year ago, on a August year. 2020. Amazing, amazing. It just felt like a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you didn't catch that show, go back almost a year. And, and uh, so that must have been in the 30s, episode 30s or so. Probably. Uh, um, where we talked to Fidel, we talked about the path. Um, we talked about your health philosophy um, and what you're all about and being a mystic, I think. We, we should go back and uh, talk about those show notes. What um, I'm so glad we've stayed in touch. Not as much as I'd like, of course, but um, we're doing this again, which is great. You, you brought up, Fidel, some questions about Hinduism and if we've done that. And as usual, when anyone asks me if, if I've done a show on something, I usually say, well, why don't you come on the show and let's talk about it? <laughs> Even if we've covered something similar uh, with just Rokas and myself, it, it'll be different if we have... Um, another person uh from their perspective so uh before before we get to that and 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 all that good stuff fidel go ahead and just um say hello and, and tell us what you've been up to in in almost one year of course well first of all thank you roger and rockers for having me again it's always a pleasure I, as you mentioned we haven't been that much in Touch. I think a lot of things have changed in this past year, but uh, I definitely feel close to you guys. Like I'm always uh, keeping in touch through the podcast, through what you're posting, and I think that's one of the marvelous things of a 21st century, right? Isn't that great? Yeah. So for me, what has changed? Um, well, I got married first of all. December past year. Yeah. Congratulations. All right. Thank you. It was quite different to what we had planned. We, um, we wanted to go back to Mexico. You know, I'm from Mexico and we live in Canada currently. But uh, because of the travel restrictions, we ended up having a little getaway wedding. Only my wife and I, a couple of friends in the consulate um, because we need to get married in Mexican soil. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we, we had to drive to Vancouver, which is roughly an eight to nine hour drive. Okay. Yep. And we had this amazing little uh, ceremony. The, the, the consul was like super excited because apparently they don't get that many weddings. <laughs> Most people prefer to go back to Mexico right. to, to get the ceremony done. So she said this lovely stuff. They opened a, a bottle of wine, wine for us. Oh. Uh, so we can uh, interact there. 
Wow. And the we went out for uh, dinner to an mm. indigenous-owned restaurant in mm. Vancouver. It's called Salmon and Bannock. And it's just this amazing place where there's a lot of... Um, well, since the owner is uh, First Nation, she has a really traditional menu and all the staff is First Nation and they do a lot wow. of um, original recipes and to promote culture and yeah. like this understanding of First yeah. Nation culture. And they did a, a, a blank, blank blanket ceremony, I think it's called. Hmm. It was a surprise. They didn't tell us. We just made a reservation and they did everything beautifully. And then they had they offered us like what would be a traditional wedding from their tradition. Wow. So, yeah. So basically what happens is you you stand up as a married couple and then the women would uh, offer this blanket, which covers both of you. Uh, it's been obviously smudged and clean, so there there's no bad energies in it. And then you get this blessings and and you simulate this hug from Mother Earth, right? That unites you as as, as two. Wow! And it was just beautiful. It was so so unexpected. It was amazing. And when you say smudge, do you mean any kind of like smoke ceremony? Yes, I, I'm honestly I'm not that knowledgeable in what smudging is i know that there's different herbs that they use to mm-hmm. and they call them medicines uh i might be wrong but i think that every um there's different types of herbs and they have different effects so you basically have like this little you get smoked a little bit right or something gets yeah. smoked but yeah i don't so, know yeah. I don't know why the smoke came to mind, but I just feel like, yeah, you, there's something about the smoke that promotes release and higher energy, I guess. Anyway. No, I think it's like, it's quite similar to the usage of incense, right? right? That's done in more Eastern traditions that and and even in uh roman catholic right that they take they're they're big on the smoke (laughs) yeah (laughs) sounds like i'm talking about pot but i'm not so how close are you to um well not how close but are you allowed to travel to vancouver island uh we were at the time right now they um added some more restrictions so basically uh, British Columbia is a really big uh, province so they divided it in three three areas Uh, lower rank uh, BC uh, I think there's another area I don't remember and then this northern BC and you can't move out of that section uh, for the time being wow so restrictive wow that's like in America not being if you're in California, not being allowed to go to Maine or something. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And you, you can't travel from a province to another province unless it's essential work or something like that. Good God. <sighs> yep. But that was really recent. That was like uh, they stated that like two months ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. And I know you guys are doing better, right? You're, you're, you're on the contrary. You're removing restrictions. Well, in the states, you're they're slowly. Yeah. Uh, okay. What day? So it's it's May fifteenth, June fifteenth. Next month, one month from now, exactly. I think there are they're lifting everything. Wow. Um, and like masks and all that stuff. I mean, I think even. What I just saw on the news yesterday that Trader Joe's, Walgreens or Walmart and Costco have lifted the mask requirement. So I don't It'll know. It'll be that... interesting because it feels weird now leaving your home without a mask. It's like you check all your things that you have and then remember, oh yeah, mask, I need to go back. And now if you won't need it and seeing everyone in stores without masks, we'll probably, yeah. Isn't that... Be... Sometimes that is weird. <laughs> so weird. And and it's not a I don't I never wanted to adjust to a mask. So yesterday I <clears throat> so I'm a fan of radical disruption in all parts of life. And I 
once I heard that news, I was like, all right, done. And I went and we went to a little place the other day to get some drinks and food. And I tried it. I was like, hey, the president Biden just tweeted that you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. And uh, so I I'm not vaccinated, but uh, I was like, okay, so to me, that that means we're done. And, uh, you know, I was walking around without a mask in this joint. And eventually they were like, you got to put your mask back on. And I was like, oh, but the president said. (laughs) (laughs) And then they were like, well, everyone is waiting for June, June 15th or whatever. And I was like, okay. But I mean, obviously I wasn't mad about it. Like they're just trying to do their job, but I mean, we've got to ask some serious questions. I talked to that, talk to Helena all the time about that. Like there's going to be a day where we don't wear masks and we've got to start that transition. We've got to get that back in people's minds that this is just another virus that is a host next to the host of them all every year. There'll probably be a recommended vaccination and it'll develop over time and whatever. Um, it's just a part of life. Anyway. So Rajan, what is your, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound polemic here, but what are your, what is your stand regarding the vaccine? What are your thoughts on it? Um, what is, I want to look up that word you just said. Polemic, <clears throat> a strong verbal or written attack on someone or something. <laughs> or uh, controversial probably is the... the I've never the, heard that word before. Uh, so I'm kind of a word person. Um, so I'm just, I get stopped in my tracks when I hear a word I've never heard before. That's yeah, a beautiful I'm, word. Um you may sound polemic if you want. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so I was talking with a friend about this yesterday on the phone. So I'm I've got my answer ready. <laughs> <clears throat> I got I'm I'm in the middle. I'm balanced. If you get it, if you need it, go for it. If I was 50 years old, I'd get it. If I was obese, I would get it. If I had a comorbidity <clears throat> that increased my chances of of you know, having a problem, if my immune system went down, I'd get it. Um, I think people should get it if they need it. According to the the data that we know, if they're in that age group, the numbers of uh, fatalities go up significantly, the older you are. And that is scary stuff. I would not, I, I, you know, my parents, I'm glad that they're getting vaccinated. Um, you know, if I, if I, so I don't want it. I don't, I don't want to get it. And I don't feel like I need it since I already had COVID and uh, I am not really for the use of vaccines just to have them um, unless there's a really, um, you know, unless there's a need like a, like a vaccine for, um, you know, something oh. with a, like What's totally that? other way. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, especially some a vaccine. That, I'm okay with a vaccine that's kind of been around for a while. Uh, I'm a little skeptical of something so new and, you know, the fastest vaccine in, in history that we know of. And, and uh, I mean, it's, I don't know if people realize just how fast all that really happened, but, um, and that's impressive. Like, uh, Go science. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, if I had to get it for work, I'd, I'd get it. I w- don't want to lose my job. I love NASA. Uh, but if no one asks and, and if we slide into transition and everything's fine, uh, I'm not going to think about it. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. What are your thoughts, Rockas, on that? Uh, yeah, I agree with Russia uh, on the same view as him. And I think yeah. a lot of people feel that way. Only yeah. thing is, if it affects travel, then I might need to get it. If there's such a thing as a vaccine possible introduced, then I probably will be getting it because of my family being in Lithuania. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's same for us. Uh, to be honest, 
I think that there should be a little bit of freedom as to how you want to approach your health. And I think, uh, honestly, I'm a little bit concerned of how the state of emergency that went into the world uh, was sort of a, I'm going to go take a limb and say carte, carte blanche yeah. for, for doing a lot of things. Yeah. Um, uh, there were crazy stuff happening in London. For example, they were scanning buildings with, with uh, the, uh, infrared technology to see if there's people gathering and then they would bust in if, if there was a gathering. Oh. Yeah, that's... Uh, and that kind of thing said they're mess... Uh, there has to be a balance between public health and pr uh, privacy, right? Or, uh, your own uh, way of handling things. The fact that people that have the vaccine that got vaccinated still can be contagious, for me, that's uh, well, it's a game changer in the sense that, well, then it actually doesn't really matter if you have the vaccine or not in right. terms of transmission, right? Right, right. So if it's protection for the individual, if you decide to get a vaccine, that's fine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, it also should be fine because you're still as uh, tra you transmit the virus just the same. So that's right. the only part I, I don't really uh, agree with being it mandatory or um, creating a travel passport or a vaccine passport. I think it's, it's going to be some of those things that can work out uh, for more control, I think. But just as you mentioned, if, if I, I'm going to go to see my family or my wife's family and we need to do it to travel, then well, I'll probably get the shot and that's it. Yeah, and and I agree. Uh, the the stuff that I saw going on and <clears throat> continues to go on as, like my reaction to your you know, traveling within the country being restricted. <clears throat> the whole infrared stuff I never heard of, but but that's that's scary. I mean that's that should concern you. If that doesn't concern you, then I wouldn't classify you as someone who thinks a whole lot. I mean the the consequences of what, what happened, we don't even know yet. And, you know, I'm not a fan of, of going real far into speculation, but you could speculate that there's a lot that could be learned from this, from those powers that are in control. And it's, it's concerning how willing the vast majority, excuse me, of people will just go along with what's going on just of what because of what they're seeing on tv and you know i get people that ask me sometimes about you know it's like well what about maya and she's a newborn and you know going to jujitsu and stuff and it's like have you even seen the data that we know about newborns and it's like well no it's like well they have they have the best chance out of anyone with with mild to no symptoms across the board. And that's enough for me uh, because I believe in, in uh, recording uh, data with high population numbers, which we have. So the the passport thing it concerns me. I haven't seen anything um concrete on that so i i stay away from it the the discussion but does that mean that it's too late when it finally does happen because we stay away from the discussion i don't know i i think that's you know not saying something could be um maybe just as bad and and i know we've talked about you know what mystics believe in and, and activists and things like that and and at some point Everyone becomes an activist. I think for the most part, we should stay mystics um, until we need to be activists. And I'm, I'm fully ready to, to switch from one to the other if, if, if it comes to that point. Uh, but I have a feeling, I have like an optimistic general overview of, of people in, in, a, in a nutshell. And I think that in the end, um, I think in the end that we'll find balance. I think uh, there will be a, a few places in the world that will be out of balance on one direction. 
a few places in the world that will swing to the other side and there'll be a balance eventually. And I think we see that in life. You know, we see the macrocosm and the microcosm and we see everything reflected as a fractal kind of everywhere. And uh, maybe in the end, like Aristotle said, we all end up kind of in the, in the, in the mean, the average after going to extremes. Yes. Yes. You have the pendulum effect, right? Yeah. When it's pulled to one side is going to inevitably go to the other side and then till it finds the center. Yeah. Yes. I I totally agree with you, Rajan, on that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That's, that's a, it's a topic that we, I think Rokas and I both just, we wait for things to come our way before going too far in depth with them. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I've, I've held the same. I've never changed on the, the pandemic thing. When I remember when it first started happening, <clears throat> I was interviewed by people uh, and I talked to clients about it. And I said the same thing. I was like, take this opportunity learn more about yourself. Nothing has changed fundamentally about how you should live your life and how detached you should be from the news and society as a whole, your emotions. There needs to be some sense of critical thinking. Um, and I mean, if, if Viktor Frankl can, can find meaning in, in the Holocaust and, and being a Holocaust survivor, we can find meaning in this which doesn't yet judge whether it's right or wrong. It just says, let's do this first. Let's be, let's be strong with ourselves first and then go out from there. And then, you know, maybe we can change something. So it's, it's clearly not over yet though, as you're reporting. And, and I love how we talk to people from around the world because everyone has a new thing and, and, um, I hope Americans listen to this show and, and really realize how good we have it. Um, America really didn't have that bad of a, of a reaction from what I can see compared to other parts of the world. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think Canada was quite uh, easy on the restrictions at the beginning. I think a lot of, for example, we used masks a lot later in time that, uh -huh. that America did, for example. Um, but there was like this breaking point or point of break when it actually switched. And so we were having like this really well managed uh, cases. And then we had uh, suddenly a, a, a rise in the new strains of virus. Huh. Um, and, and then it's when we started to get like um, strict all of a sudden because we, we weren't, but I guess every country's uh, playing it by ear, isn't it? Aren't they? Like, I guess so. Figuring out. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there are meetings going on somewhere that we're not a part of, and things are decided. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, and I think about this a lot. At the end of the day, you're dealing with people. There's no, there's nothing else in the in essence that you're dealing with. You're dealing with the emotional state of people. And if you believe that people are genuinely evil, then there's a lot to be concerned about. If you believe that people are genuinely just people and they're good, then there's a lot that you could say in their defense, that they're just trying to survive this whole thing from a public response situation, from a public figure perspective, if you're in charge of, of, you know, 33 million people or whatever, that's a, that's a lot on your shoulders. I mean, I, I can't speak for that person and what they would, well, I don't know what I would do if there was, if some, my health advisor brought to me one day and said, Hey, so uh, there's like a new strain of uh, virus going around and people above this age are dying. So I don't, I don't uh, pretend to kind of know what to do in that situation. And I think people with strong opinions, they need to have a solution or else, you know, they're just, they're not helping. Um, so 
I, I don't know. I, I don't have a perspective either way, I don't think. I mean, there are evil people. Well, there are people that do evil things. But are there these world powers like meeting together and saying, all right, let's reduce the population. Let's put some chips in this uh, vaccine. Let's do, you know, let's control people this way. I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's tough for me. I think that that's the, the funny part that you, you don't want to assure that because we have hope that humanity is not as corrupted or as broken, mm-hmm. but at the same time, history has proven that sometimes it does happen. And I don't For say, sure. I don't think it's the majority, right? It's just a, a group of people that they happen to have power and they make decisions. Right. So um, yeah, it's really hard to say. And in my opinion, as you mentioned, it's not really that relevant when it comes to losing sleep over if there's a conspiracy or not. As you mentioned, we just need to keep uh, living our lives the best we can and continue improving and developing self-mastery and doing the best we can, right? And Mm -hmm. if there comes a time where things are quite evident and uh, I loved how you phrased it, we need to go from mystics to activists well, we will have to, right? Yeah. 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 And the, you said it really well. Um, history has proven that there are there are evil leadership, you know, possibilities. There, the potential there is possible because it's happened before. Um, and I think it happens on small scales all the time. You could look at, you could look at, last week in in corporate world like there was companies doing things that were illegal um and in the future we'll find out that illegal activities have been going on with with companies or 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 you know profits and things like that so there's different gradations of uh of corruption and there's different severities so that and i also Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. And I think it also depends on your level of consciousness or how, uh, what are your goals in life? Because uh, let's say a tech company that's developing a software that becomes uh, more attractive for people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not an illegal thing to do and it's not wrong per se, but uh, if you don't see self-mastery or inner well-being as a pri- priority mm-hmm. for human race, then probably promoting more on-screen time, it's something that is just adding benefits to people, right? You're connecting everybody and you're helping them um, have more access to technology. But if you're a person that understands or, uh, yeah, you, you see the value of first developing the inner aspect of your being and then moving into mastering the outer world, then you probably wouldn't be pushing so much um, or putting so much effort into developing technology for kids, for example, or, mm-hmm. uh, or in a just uh, recreative way, right? More for problem solving, less recreational, but. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, all- need, we need different levels of consciousness. We, we, we need the person making coffee at Starbucks. Just like we need the mystic who's totally self-absorbed in, in God consciousness and everyone in between. So really, yeah, if you zoom all the way out, as a mystic would, we need the person who's evilly, evilly, evilly corrupting everyone. Like, <laughs> like it, that's, that's, that's that ultimate perspective and, and everyone in between is playing their part. So yeah, I, I, I agree. And I like what you're saying, because if you're stuck, if your awareness is, is stuck to everything going wrong and you yourself are losing it because of that, well, you're no good to anyone anyway. So if something does happen that catches my attention and, and I need to, to, to act, well, I should probably have the soundest body in mind in order to act efficiently and effectively. So, and, and I have uh, 
friends and clients who who did lose it <clears throat> and are in this state of well no the microchip is going to control us all so but they are not only you know taking it too far they're starting to lose their their health and well-being and so if they did need to act they'd be so scrambled uh, they wouldn't even be able to think clearly if what they were thinking was correct anyway so yeah yes i think that's super interesting because at the end the biggest issue and you've talked about this so much and that's why you're doing i that's what i feel like is behind all your work is that no matter who you are or what you're doing you need to change your perspective of life you need to grow a higher consciousness so you can take better decisions not just for yourself but for everybody around you right and we it's easier to promote uh, environmental health or um, food regulations or health regulations or I don't know anything it's easier if you have a clear picture of what actually matters in life mm -hmm. and why are why are we here mm -hmm. right And from that point or from that uh, argument comes all the questions I've. Oh my goodness. Did you guys <laughs> just see what he did there? Wow. <laughs> wow. Talk about a segue. <laughs> go, go for it for that. <laughs> no. Well, the thing is, we normally, and I would like your thoughts, Rockers and, and Rajan, on this. I've. I've seen two worlds, to be honest. Uh, well, there's a lot of worlds, right? And every human being sees life in a different way. But when it comes to this intersection point between self-mastery, religion, or spirituality, or searching for meaning and higher purpose or an explanation, uh, I've seen basically two dramatic or two polarities. We have really traditional methods where you have uh, formal religions or formal movements that have really um, clear um, rules and philosophies. And then we have, I don't know if that's something that's always been in the world and compared to traditional religion, every other movement at a time was seen as new age or an unofficial, right? But I do see the other extreme where people are just accepting everything. And I don't, well, how do I phrase it so it doesn't sound, so it's precise? I think that there's a movement that accepts things but, or speaks mystically or spiritually, but doesn't want to put, on, put in the work. Because at the end, <laughs> you need to work, right? Yeah. Even if it is to live uh, according to Taoism and just let everything go, you need mm -hmm. to work to get into that place in life. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, but I rarely see, and I think like that middle ground where we're not closing in into something and everything is wrong, nor we think that everything is the same and Uh, it's the same thing to do shum meditation and to, I don't know, stare at the rainbow and imagine the energy flowing through you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying it's... Yeah, no, I hear you. Yep. I happen to love rainbows. <laughs> They're amazing. We, um, have, we, have a, we have a joke with a friend of mine. He's a doctor. He's an MD. And uh, I've been his... Uh, dietitian for some time now and we go back and forward in our understanding of life uh, mm -hmm. first it was just we were, we were friends from high school and then it, it came to work so i i would help him with his diet and then there was a moment that uh he saw me evolve from this clinical uh, perspective to a more holistic and including uh, some alternative way of thinking So he always sends me uh, memes, right? That are like messing around with me because I believe in other stuff. Mm -hmm. And he 
he do believe in those that stuff again uh, now too but so she, he sent me this video of a girl that i think she's in oregon or something but she's promoting this Taoist health hack which mean which is to get your perineum exposed to the sun every day for at least 15 <laughs> minutes right perineum sun uh, <laughs> yeah exactly and my way of thinking it's like okay let's give it a try and see what what how is it how it's feeling if it works or not right uh-huh. obviously he was like that's just um playing He's rubbish. having fun yeah <laughs> He's having fun yeah. Well, it's, it is, it is, it is fun. Uh, you know, no matter if you believe it or not, it's fun regardless. Yeah. So, what is the middle po- middle ground, or do you think that you need to be there? The, does it exist a middle ground? Do you think it's something desirable, or should we find which formal path resonates more with uh, with a person and just follow that path? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I mean, Rokas, do you think about? Did you have, did you have any thoughts? Um, okay, so it sounds like critical thinking is a big part of this because you take in all the information and you filter it. Um, yeah, it's good to take in both sides of the extreme as well, so you know. While filtering through, like you can compare them, and I think that's how you'd reach a middle ground. But then. Before we'd also talk about, I remember Raj saying you could also experience both sides of the extreme in order to then understand what the middle ground is and to live in the middle ground. Um, and now over to you, Raj, because I have nothing else with that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's 100%. Um, and I can't, I, I'm not going to, I can't sit here ever in life, in this body, and say to do this, um, don't do that even when we want to eventually be in the middle ground, in the balance. Um, but you have to almost experience both sides, like Roka said, in, in order to know what that middle is. And when you go into the monastery, you're going into the extreme side. You're, you're, you're willingly signing up for the extreme. And each monk finds their own balance over time. But the extreme is such a fun place to be when you don't know anything. And, and you know, did I need to sleep on a concrete floor for six months? No, God, that, you know. But <laughs> did I learn then what a, a, a proper bed means? Yes. And what comfort really means? Yes. Could I have learned that without, could I have just been gra- uh, grateful and have gratitude without doing that? Yes. But that was the path that, that took me to get there. So everyone has their own path. We just hope that, you know, from this middle perspective, in the, from the balance, and we look out and we see people beginning in their journey on their timeline, as we call it in the, upon the show, um, we just wish them well, you know, while in their extreme uh, versions, whether that's highly orthodox and, and strict or the Taoism that, that you brought up, Fidel. And, and we, we, we can look at both of those and say, God bless them. Uh, you know, may they may they survive the journey long enough to where they end up realizing what the truth was the whole time. And some people stay on their sides and um, which is fine too. Right. So I, that's what I like about Hinduism so much is it's not, it, it, it incorporates everything. It doesn't say we need to be this way or that way. It says, if you choose a way and you believe in the, the foundational tenets, which is karma, reincarnation, all-pervasive divinity. If you have those three in your soul, in your philosophy, then that's Hinduism. That's as base as it gets. That's it. 
you're, and you can take that from there and go as deep and complex as you want, or you can stay right at the front and, and, and not get crazy about it. So a lot of people are actually aligned with, with Hindu philosophy and they're, they're somewhere inside Hinduism or, or they're somewhere inside the Eastern philosophical method. Uh, like every Buddhist is somewhere inside the, the Hindu philosophical method because it's, it's, it's just, if you look at the bubble of Hinduism, Buddhism is just like one cell that's been taken out and extracted and, 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 Mike, you know, zoomed in on with a microscope and people are living inside that cell. But if you came out to see the body as a whole, it would be one big Hindu body. That's the way we would say it anyways. And that uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, I totally agree. And, um, and if you see any other religious path, there's been a path mark inside Hinduism, Hinduism, right? Uh, for example, uh, I'm going to, uh, I, I wanted to have this conversation because I, as an Western born person, I think we're not really exposed to much of, of Hinduism, at least in Mexico, it's, that's not something common. You mm -hmm. won't find probably one single uh, Hindu temple or not that I know. I've, I have friends that they went to an ashram and then their master sent a monk and they had like this small community, but it's still very, very rare. Uh, Sikhism, for example, is something I discovered until I moved here to Canada. And mm -hmm. then now it's such a, a big movement and it's so yeah. interesting as well. So uh, having the opportunity to talk with, with you, Raj, and that you've been a monk and and a priest right which that would be also a very interesting thing to understand what's the difference between being a monk or every, is, it, is it every monk a priest or is it a, a priest always a monk um, and i do understand and correct me if i'm wrong that every school is very different right when we talk about hinduism or even christianism or buddhism there's no one single entity even the Catholic Church, it's not one church. Mm -hmm. If you go to the uh, different uh, currents, there's so, so, so many differences between one and another that you can even classify them as different religions, right? Yeah. So, um, in, in that regard, I've, I've read a couple of books from uh, Guru Deva. Yes, the founder of the the Kwai Hindu Monastery, the where I trained for the and uh, yes, yes, and I stumble upon uh, a really short booklet. I'd say that's called "How to Become a Hindu." Yes, right, and it was interesting. It was definitely uh, eye opening, but I did feel this really orthodox way of seeing it right oh, like yeah a hundred percent that's an orthodox book so um i would love to know via your experience as a whole and and because that's just one book of one teacher right or one line the monks are are, are an, uh, an orthodox lineage of saiva siddhanta uh navas from the nava sampradaya in sri lanka okay in southern india they there's 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 no other way to interpret that they are um by the by the book and and strict in everything that they do and believe in and teach so however when i say by the book that's by their book that's their hinduism so like you're saying you know they have their own training from Gurudeva, the founder, and because he got his training from somewhere. But if you asked uh, uh, someone living in India right now uh, about their system, and you would say, is that, is that what's going on here where you live? They would say, no, I've never heard of this person. And, and, and we don't have to do that. You know, so, and neither of them are wrong, right? They're both right. 
they're, they're both doing their thing from where they came. Just like every tradition and custom uh, or culture is just doing its thing from where it came. So for example, in Hinduism, the banana leaf is used as a sacred uh, platform or tray at certain ceremonies. Why? I mean, because in Sri Lanka, a thousand years ago, there was banana trees growing everywhere. So they're like, grab one of those leaves, put that as a, like a tray for all these offerings. And then over time, a thousand years later, someone was like, okay, we need to use the banana leaf because that's what we use. And it's like, well, no, you could use any kind of tray that's good for your culture and your time period. And you can make it into a, your own banana leaf. And right now they have silver and gold banana leaves. <laughs> that you can use <laughs> you know they're in the same shape and everything and um i think the people who are um so strict that they cannot go outside of that that thinking and and if you don't have a banana leaf and this exists if you don't have the banana leaf you're disrespecting god right you have those people if you're going down that route, you don't even understand the essence of the religion, in my opinion. Um, a monk is not necessarily a priest. A priest is not necessarily a monk. We were monk priests. So Hindu monks normally don't go that route, and they don't normally learn chanting and, uh, you know, maybe a little and they may do personal ceremonies, but they don't learn um, the public ceremony as a priest would. So that's why in Hinduism, uh, you see um, temples and uh, certain ceremonies, even inside of a monastery, being officiated by a priest, not a monk. Because it's like, I may know how to lay concrete, but not as well as someone who does it every day with uh, to sky rise foundations so i'm going to hire them to pour this foundation even though i know a little bit about concrete so uh when we had elaborate ceremonies in the monasteries we hired it out we would get a priest but this person is a family man that the married you know with kids they, they're not monks so the gurudeva uh, the founder of the monastery felt like the monks should be self-sufficient and they should learn everything they possibly can within reason. And one of that, one of those things was the um, called the Parartha uh, Puja, which is a public puja or public Hindu ceremony to a deity. Um, and there's two different, there's just two sections or two divisions of ceremony, Parartha and uh I'm forgetting the other one, but the other one is, is personal for yourself and anyone can learn it. So we, we would go through that before monks. And then as soon as we became a monk, we would learn the Paratha Puja and we could do that. And we did do that for public ceremonies and things like that. Uh, but not, not, not always the case not always the case. We, 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 we had a very well-rounded education. So would it be accurate to say that a person, that, uh, if you would have it separately, right, or separated, if you would go into be, uh, the path of becoming a monk, it would be basically for self-mastery. And if you go into the path to become a priest, it would be more of a um, service to the devotees through ritual is that accurate that's perfect yes it's a a priest is a, a selfless individual who's decided to work for the devotees and be a a, a, a link or a messenger a middleman um, from god to the devotees and so the priest is not important in a ceremony and they make that very clear. It's got, they're just bringing through um, as a channel, you know, these divine um, energies and blessings for the people. And 
people respect the priest quite a bit, um, but they're doing a specific job for a specific purpose. A monk is uh, more selfish in that respect. They've stepped on the path to focus on themselves. Now, I've had this thought where Hindus are selfish and Buddhists are selfless. And the, what that means is Hindus have more of a personal perspective with the deity and enlightenment. Buddhists, they go through enlightenment so that the entire world can be enlightened. And they're different in that respect. However, if you go out far enough or go deep enough in, they end up in the same realm because all of their enlightenments uh, benefit everyone. The Hindu knows that if they're enlightened, that, you know, the entire world ups its percentage in consciousness. Um, a Buddhist knows that if they enlighten themselves, like the whole has been uh, more connected. And that's why they're fasting. That's why they're doing things and chanting and praying and things like that. Interesting. Yeah. There is no, yeah, for the Buddhists, it's like, it's not so I can do this. It's like, well, it's so that the whole entire world can benefit. So they're both getting to the same place. Yes. And even in Buddhism, there's different schools, right? Like yeah. the Hinayana or the small vehicle, which is more similar to the Hindu. Like the best, the, the, the best I can do for people is to get enlightened. And then I can help them get enlightened as well, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Mahayana, it's, it doesn't matter. We are walk, walk, walking together. We eventually will get there as a group. Uh, would you, I've, uh, I, I've had a little bit more of experience, more experience with Buddhism. You've had uh, more experience than I have with it too. We should state that. Like, I, I know very little about it. I know a little, uh, very little about it. I think that that is something that we, need to acknowledge more that we don't have enough life to be actual experts in a lot of things and and also yes that's true and also the understanding of a concept could be based on what you said of how orthodox you are it could be something that falls into being classified as orthodox or new age or somewhere in between right like with the banana leaf if my understanding is that it's just a means to make an offering. That's your perception. And I would definitely agree. I think it's always more about the inner ambient or the inner experience of what you're doing that the actual physical. The intention. Uh, the intention. Yes. The intention behind it. Yes. Uh, but uh, in Buddhism, uh, at least the the lines I've studied or the the, the paths I've been a little bit into um, Tibetan Buddhism for some time. I honestly didn't like it that much. I think it had way too much ritual, ritual, mm. not enough self development or inner development. It was a lot of this praying to be um, to get merits or to get blessings from the enlightened beings and. I, I, I thought at the time that it was quite similar to Catholics, just praying to get things done. And that wasn't what I was looking at the time, right? Um, and then I went more into the Theravada traditions, like the Pasana meditation and such. And their philosophy is that when the Buddha went in and did all this introspection and disrupted his mind and went as far as he could, he realized there was nothing there, right? There was emptiness. So there was no self. We were attached to an illusory self, right? When, and what the little I know about Hinduism is not the case. If you dig deep enough, you're gonna find something. You're the Atman, right? Or that particle, divine particle that then you want to merge with, with god or brahma uh right is, is that correct yeah you have you have the buddhist void where that's where your nirvana goes to is is, is a void 
and there there is no void in hinduism it's it's an actual thing yeah it's a it's a substance um it's it's your yourself that you're going back into it's the it's the uh the source of where everything comes from it's it's i think the void in buddhism would also be a source i don't know i don't know i think if you if you dig deep you can make that if you understand the concepts or you try to find similarities i think they do merge if you want to get technical probably they won't because there, right. there's difference between substance and and void yeah. but also for example shiva is is uh, seen as a void isn't it like the non-substance that creates everything or that absence of or 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 not um that's interesting perhaps i we know shiva as so when you said brahma so brahma vishnu um and and what is it is it rudra or shiva the 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 three main i think it's brahma vishnu and and rudra generally rudra. right i mean yeah. uh, common knowledge is shiva but i think that's something i'm still trying to figure out uh, how many representations of the same deity or how many names it can have yeah so that's a big misconception about hinduism it, that's a that that those three as being different things is a misconception so um there's only four sects of hinduism only four uh saivites vaishnavites shaktas and smartas the saivites was is the school that i'm trained in um and the brahma vishnu shiva thing doesn't um doesn't make sense because it says that those are the creators and each sect only believes in in one creator um saivites believe in shiva vaishnavites believe in vishnu shaktas believe that the creator is a feminine shakti energy or deity and smartas allow your choice of creator but there's not multiple there's not the three so what what happened in history is there was a misconception in the amount of representations hinduism has in the creator so so we all believe in in this one divine source uh, but we call that source by many different things and you could say brahma vishnu rudra shakta shiva rudra all of those to a saivite is just another way to say uh, Shiva. Um, to a Vaishnavite, those are all different ways of, of, of calling Vishnu. So, um, yeah. So, is she, what is Shiva? That's a good one. Rajan, uh, sorry, before you go into Shiva, because I think it's such a fascinating uh, topic and it could be extensive. Uh, would you agree? Something <clears throat> we are we know things from a Western perspective, right? Our mm. mind, because we were born in the American continent to European philosophers, we have this interpretation or this way of seeing life, which is very different to how it was seen. In India, even Correct. the First Nations here in America. Yes. Uh, so everything is tainted from this Judeo-Christian way of seeing life because that's how you grow up with. Even though I, I was listening to you, the podcast you had with uh, with Nandi um, and um, Kevin, was it? Kevin Cook. Yeah. yeah. And it was. I, I thought it was quite uh, that was very well good. stated like what we consider our way of on our way of knowing even though it's it could be non-religious it is it was or it comes from a christian origin or way of thinking what you would call um way of knowing right or methodology the way you understand that knowledge 
has precon uh, preconceptions or preconceptions or rules that are already stated mm -hmm. that come from a cosmovision uh, or a way of seeing life which has to do with one creator a very literal meaning of creation mm -hmm. uh, and I think in, in most of the indigenous worldview, it's all about the symbolisms and it's all about histories and metaphors and it's not literal. So sometimes uh, one uh, story doesn't actually represent a person. It represents a concept. For example, if we were talking about uh, Brahma, Vishnu and Rudra, well, it, and the, could be reference to concepts like Jin, Jang, and, and, and Tao, right? The middle path. Absolutely. And it could be just um, a way of making people remember because at that time there were very few people could write, very few people. So you had to make stories to keep those concepts easy. Precisely. Yes. Yeah.